December is a month of celebration, togetherness, and tying off loose ends and imagining the future. If I can offer one culture tip for this moment, it would be to create a culture plan for the new year. Culture doesn't just happen, you need to make it happen. In general, a company's most expensive asset is its people. So it surprises me when companies fail to develop a culture or people plan that invests to grow that asset. Write a mission statement, define company values, build a culture roadmap as you would approach a product, measure, adapt, and make culture a priority. At Rebel, we make it a priority to have some fun together each quarter. We have a budget, a strategy, and a plan to keep our culture vibrant. As a team, we've gone curling to the trampoline park, done escape rooms, and thrown axes. Doing this kind of thing doesn't need to be expensive. We've had just as much fun hosting poker tournaments and playing party games in the office. A great culture is easy to grow, but it takes energy and some planning, so it needs to be considered as part of your business. Until next month, this has been Rob Villeneuve, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today. Storytelling, the journey of real change makers and discovering their impact on the world we live in. And now, broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, Rivers Corbett. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett, the CEO at coachingbyrockstars.com. Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. On the show, we will fill you in on the trends, opportunities, and possibilities of your next steps as an entrepreneur. And we're going to have amazing conversations on advancing entrepreneurial success and growth in Canada. If you're a regular Startup Canada podcast listener, Welcome back and thanks to any of our new listeners. Remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast on the iTunes stores and then visit startupcan.ca to become a member of Startup Canada and get access to mentors, resources, support and opportunities to start and grow your business. Ladies and gentlemen, look, today we're just so thrilled to have as our very special guest, Veronique Harry. She's the co-founder of CoSpace, Whitehorse's newest co-working space, a born and raised Yukoner. Veronique has had been deeply involved in the launch of the entrepreneurial movement in Whitehorse through her work as the local organizer for Startup Canada's Every Entrepreneur Tour Stop in Whitehorse. Our conversation today will touch on starting up in the north the true north 
differences and similarities between the Whitehorse and the Toronto startup communities, co-working, making, and incubating, and the future of entrepreneurship in Canada's vast territories. Veronique, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's really great. Now, look, you got to understand you people in the Yukon are kind of like celebrities to us because we can't really touch you a lot. We can't really see you a lot, but we've got a really cool interest in what's going on up in uh, the Utah Yukon. So before we get into the, the entrepreneurial world about what's going on, what's tell us about yourself. What's, what was it about like growing up in the Yukon, fondest memories, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. And why did you decide to move to Toronto? to study and work? Um, I had the great privilege of growing up in the Yukon. I grew up outdoors a lot um, and just living a life pretty full of adventures because the Yukon really draws people that are creative and adventurous because this really is the last frontier in many regards. And so my fondest memories of growing up here are really just being outside, camping, hiking, canoeing, skiing, um, winter camping, learning a lot about myself through those experiences. Um, when I graduated, though, about uh, a decade ago, uh, we really didn't have that many options for post-secondary education in the territory. There was a college, um, and at the time, the courses were a bit limited. So for your post-secondary education, you had to leave the territory. Mm -hmm. And so I first left to go to the University of Victoria. Right. And then I made the big move to the Canadian <laughs> metropolis of Toronto. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. And was there a reason? I can understand Victoria geographically and so on. Um, you're, you're, you studied journalism. Uh, is that where you, that where you studied journalism or was it in Victoria? Um, in Victoria, I studied political science and environmental studies, and then uh, I had kind of always had journalism in the back of my mind. And so when it came down to figuring out if I wanted to pursue a master's and what I wanted to do, um, mm. the Master of Journalism program at Ryerson just seemed to fit everything that I was looking for. And I was really looking to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. And Toronto certainly did that. <laughs> get out of your comfort zone. You just told us about all this wilderness camping <laughs> and great adventures that you were on. <laughs> but I feel comfortable doing those. The big yeah. city was just, uh, you know, I had traveled a lot. So um, my parents really um, took us traveling all over the world. So, nice. you know, I was kind of used to, you know, different environments, but actually living in a city the size of Toronto is really different just because the beat is different, the mentality is different. Um, but it really was a great experience. I mean, I got to go and do this great Masters of Journalism program mm -hmm. and then work with some of the best of the best. You know, I got the chance to work at CBC and TFO um, as a journalist. And then um, I had the chance to um, make a switch to public affairs and work with the best people in that industry and just learned so much from those experiences, mm. both professionally and personally. Yeah, well, it really uh, bodes truth to the uh, to the, it's the suggestion that people tap into understanding that work is still an education. And so uh, good for you to do that. But I got to ask you just a quick side note, um, adventure's your game. So what's your favorite adventure movie? My favorite adventure movie? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, I have to think Besides about that. saving the planet, you know. Which well, you know, <laughs> that does, you know, take up a lot of my thoughts. <laughs> of, uh, oh man, I just, well, this is going to sound so ridiculous, but I just watched uh, The Revenant. Ah. And uh, now whenever I'm skiing, I'm kind of like, oh man, 
I don't know if I'd be able to survive that, but it's kind of like now the thought that crosses my mind when I'm, you know, cross country skiing on the side of the river and I'm just kind of expecting Leonardo DiCaprio to appear out of nowhere wearing, you know, a horse. But that's too good. Well, I actually, we're talking about movies. One, I just finished watching uh, the movie Brooklyn, a different level of uh, adventure, but another one that I highly recommend. It's a great, great movie. It's airing here on Sunday as part of a great film festival. Yeah, I highly recommend it. it. Yeah, highly recommend it. Uh, it's a great story about an Irish woman who emigrates to to uh, the U.S. and all that kind of wonderful. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. It's going to be a classic for sure. So, so uh, that's it, ladies and gentlemen, for the movie reviews today <laughs> on the Startup Canada podcast. <laughs> Next week we talk about. Okay, so so you 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 went to Tr- Victoria, you went to Toronto, but then you came back to Whitehorse, of course. And you know, you know, I'm I'm a native New Brunswicker. I understand that pull back to home. People say, well, why do you live in New Brunswick? I said, because I want to. It's my home. But tell us about uh, your move back and, uh, you know, why did you come back and what are some changes that have been going on since uh, since you left? So, yeah, I was away for the better part of 10 years. Um, so the move kind of happened a little bit, um, I don't want to say suddenly, because the idea had been in my mind for a while that eventually I would move back to Whitehorse. Right. Um, I just kind of didn't, a few things came to a head in my personal life. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll like go home and recharge my batteries and figure out what I want to do. And um, I had uh, had the privilege of doing the Action Canada Fellowship um, in 2014. And there's always a northern component. And so when I was doing the fellowship, I was like, oh, okay, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Uh, the year prior, they had done the Northwest Passage. Um, and my year, they were like, oh, hey, we're going to the Yukon. And I was like, Really? (laughs) And so I was kind of disappointed, but um, it actually turned out to be one of the greatest gifts I got to see the territory through a fresh perspective and just through different eyes and sort of see what some of the really great things that I loved about it were, but also how it was changing and perhaps some of the things that I would want to see happen in the territory. And so this has kind of been going on in my mind for about a year. And then, yeah, things kind of lined up that it made sense for me to come home and recharge a little bit. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to hang out. And well, turns out life had many other plans for me. Mm. Mm. Um, I had sort of had these ideas on innovation in the back of my mind. And I was like, well, maybe I'll see if these are viable uh, when I go back. And all of a sudden, like within two days of being back, um, I met with someone who was like, oh, hey, there's a co-working space that's going to be starting. And we really could use someone like you on board. And so <laughs> all of a sudden, um, I got involved in the co-working space and then Startup Canada. And then now really launching this huge, incredible powerful and stimulating movement on entrepreneurship. Mm. And I think that that's part of what's changed since I last lived here. There's just such a great energy in the Yukon right now. Um, just a lot of people have moved here in recent years. A lot of people my age from you know my graduating class and mm-hmm. have come back to the territory because it really just is a great place to live. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things kind of lined up and I was meeting all these cool people and We've had all these cool entrepreneur success stories lately. Um, I always um, use this mall and as an example. There's a mall at the end of Main Street in Whitehorse um, called Horwoods. And it used to kind of be not this place where you would go hang out. There was a gym and it was kind of closed off. And um, two architects bought it um, in recent years and just decided to 
open it up to the community. And so have, you know, there's a great coffee shop that doubles as an event space. And then they really made sure that the people that became tenants of this mall were people that were really passionate about what they did and that they were all local entrepreneurs. And so now there's just this like, renewal of Main Street and that space with a cheese shop, a yarn shop, a clothing store, um, a maternity store, an art store. And to me, that's really emblematic of some of the changes that are happening in Whitehorse. There's just generally this new, this energy that really looks to make things happen, which has always kind of been there, but it's really just been supercharged. And then this really interesting shift towards local entrepreneurs and taking a risk and diversifying some of the assets that Whitehorse has. So, you know, there's a place that sells macarons. Like, what? You know, that's just like, (laughs) there's all these cool little things happening in Whitehorse. And so I was just so inspired by all of that energy and the people that I was meeting. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, how can I not get engaged in this? And I had the opportunity to lead some of it. And it's really just building on this incredible entrepreneurial and pioneer spirit that's really manifesting itself right now. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about that. Veronique. Uh, the, you've got the, this, 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 this uh, capitalizing on this movement that's happening. I mean, you're, you're obviously well entrenched into uh, startup, startup Whitehorse. Um, tell us about the process of starting that up. And did the mall come first or did you come first? <laughs> no, no, the mall came first. I moved <laughs> okay. back in September. And okay. I mean, the mall is a part of everything else that's been right. happening. Um, I mean, in 2014, you Construct, which is the first makerspace north of 60, um, opened its doors. And I mean, that's just been an incredible anchor in sort of igniting really the entrepreneurial spirit and the do-it-yourself spirit. And that was really, I think, part of the catalyst for all the stuff that has been happening for a while, but in terms of like renewing some of this energy and motivation to just make things yourself. And that's really, to me, what entrepreneurship is. It's about being resourceful and Mm. it's about making things happen. Is like is is the um, is would you say that the the culture of of the community has really done a fundamental shift in excuse me first of all understanding what entrepreneurship is and then celebrating and encouraging the movement is there is there been a, a, a shift in that or are you still dealing with that as uh, with 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 startup Whitehorse. I think that the shift is has been happening for a bit and it's still going on. Um, we have incredible entrepreneurs in the territory. Um, and I think sort of where we're at right now is sort of being like, okay, well, what is what does a startup culture look like? You know, how can we strengthen the private sector in Whitehorse? How can we best support entrepreneurs? How can we encourage people to take risks? And how can we put in place the right infrastructure to support those people that are willing to take that entrepreneurial risk? Right on. And so the makerspace is a huge part of that because you just get to play around with ideas and make prototypes. And, you know, at the college we have, our college is becoming a university right in, right now in mm-hmm. the next um, few years. So I think that that has a huge role to play in this. But with the makerspace, with the college, we also have, you know, Cold Climate Innovation, which is doing some really cool stuff on, okay, well, how do we solve Northern problems with Northern expertise? Mm. And so you have all these cool blocks, I think, that were happening um, and now I think it's just about bringing all those those aspects together because the city's doing things, the government's doing things, um, the college is doing things, cold climate is doing things. But really sort of where I sort of stepped in is just kind of like bringing all of this stuff together, um, which I think is what 
Startup White Horse will better allow us to do because it sort of gives that rallying center point mm. to so all of this. You're becoming the traffic cop. Cop, you you've got the glue. Your your focus is gluing it all together, so it's uh, one traffic circle. Yeah, because I think that by harnessing all of that potential and all of that energy and all that creativity and all the cool initiatives that are happening right now, um, we really have the opportunity to make something really big and sustainable happen. Mm. And so that's sort of where the co-working space came to be. Um, it's a Uconstruct initiative. So um, essentially, I mean, the maker space and the co-working space, they both offer very similar things. They give people the space tools, resources, and community necessary to build or grow anything. And so the makerspace does it with actual physical tools and space to play around with those types of things, while the co-working space does it with office space and programming and really building a community around that. It was interesting when you were talking about the mall. I think that's a, what I love is the vision of the, 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 you know, the two people that are the architects. And, and, and you can't come in unless you're doing something cool. I love it. I, I could just see the look on somebody's face when they want to set up a convenience store. And I don't know if there's one there or not, but it was like, okay, how are you being innovative? Show us how you're going to sell those chocolate bars in a unique way because that's the culture we have here. I just love yeah, their vision. Yeah, so they went with a gourmet store who is offering <laughs> like you go. rillette and macaron and all these things. And to me, it's just really emblematic of this shift of people taking risks and trying something new. I mean, the fact that we have a cheese shop, that's just so delicious. And that's just, <laughs> to me, that's just so cool. Yeah. And um, it's popping up around town. You know, now there's like, um, there's two guys that started like a pop-up oyster shop, yes. which like is so cool. Yeah. And just like these little things <laughs> that just make Whitehorse. Whitehorse has always been a great place to live. It's just adding these little accents that really just make it even better. Well, and just for our audience, I mean, uh, everybody knows about Whitehorse, but there still is a great mystery associated with it uh, for a lot of people. What's the population base of Whitehorse? It's about 28,000 people. 28,000, wow. I remember talking to one of my guy friends who works in, um, the Val in Silicon Valley, and he was like, wait a minute, you're trying to do what with 28,000 people? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you heard me correctly. Like, this is happening. And he was like, cool, when yeah. can I come up? Nice. And I think it's just, it is, I mean, because of the population size and our distance, clearly there's some um, challenges associated with that, which I'm sure we'll get into. Mm. Uh, but because of because we are small and nimble, there's also this, you know, these other windows of opportunity. And I think that we are starting to show that the you know the Yukon has an entrepreneurial voice, and that we are able to punch above our weight and yeah. to really build something pretty incredible up here. Um, uh, and, and you're right. We're going to get into some of the uh, some of the great stuff that's happening in um, in the Yukon. Um, but I got a question for you. You went through a lot of those um, a lot of those uh, um, businesses, and when I talk to other uh, entrepreneurs like yourself, and I do consider you an entrepreneur because you're in the space and you're building and you're growing and you're pivoting and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's interesting. You didn't talk about anything from an IT or tech perspective. Is that is that not prevalent in uh, in your city, or is it just something you're going to talk about later on? It's definitely something I was going to talk about later on because the um, the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Whitehorse right now is one that um, I'm really trying to foster and put in place. And to me, an ecosystem is, you know, it's kind of a buzzword now, um, mm. but it's really about having community and support. And that comes in the form of both capital, but also programming and resources. And so <clears throat> we have 
I mean, definitely most of our successful businesses in the Yukon are, you know, more towards retail and tourism, but we definitely have an IT sector that's um, really developing and we've got some cool companies that are doing really cool products, uh, uh, projects both in the territory and outside. And for us, outside has a capital O and is literally anything outside of the Yukon. Um, (laughs) 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 We got a QR2 outside. (laughs) And uh, we're really seeing um, a push. I mean, the current government really does believe in um, the IT sector technology. And now um, my role's transitioned a bit from, you know, launching CoSpace to now um, working more closely with government to really build something that's even bigger than the maker space, bigger than the co-working space. And that's really an all-encompassing ecosystem. And so how do we best support IT? How do we support startups? How do we support ideas? But also we have some medium-sized businesses that have different growing pains than a startup. Mm -hmm. And it's looking at all of those aspects. And so how do you best help the IT sector how do you help the retail sector? How do you help, you know, consultants and everything? And so right now it's just kind of looking at all of those players and figuring out, okay, well, what's the best way to go ahead? Because we have all of these moving pieces. And so how do you bring them all together? Well, there's no doubt about it. You know, I, I, it's great that you're in that leadership role for a lot of reasons. One is you've uh, obviously got uh, the intellect to make it happen and the leadership skills associated with it. And, um, and I want to touch on that whole thing about, you know, smaller communities. Uh, Fredericton is really double the size of Whitehorse. And of course, we consider ourselves to be quite small. That's where I'm from. Um, you know, is from a smallness perspective, uh, we see that as an advantage. Do you see that as an advantage or, or, or not? I think it's both an advantage and a disadvantage. It just kind of depends on how you look at it. I mean, just from a sheer numbers perspective, I mean, the big thing about Whitehorse is, yes, we're small, but so is the Yukon, right? The Yukon has mm. about 35,000 people and then 20,000 of them live in Whitehorse. Mm. And we are very far, you know, we're 3,000 kilometers north of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so just from a sheer market size, I mean, for entrepreneurs, that's always going to be a challenge. Right. And, you know, when we talk about IT and all of that, we have one fiber optic cable essentially like coming into the territory. So sometimes that can cause issues, but right. we're looking at ways to diversify that. They're looking at, uh, you know, another fiber optic line. Um, so being small, yes, in some ways can be a challenge because if you are trying to start something just by nature, your market size is going to be a lot smaller than it would be anywhere else. And right. we're far from everything. So right. shipping costs add up. But we're now living in a world where everything is becoming a little more digital yep. and we are having um, an influx of population in Whitehorse. And I think it's a really interesting interesting time for the Yukon to be sort of reimagining the economy because we're, you know, very natural resources based. Um, and right now the pricing of minerals just isn't where it was, say, three, four years ago. Right. And so this is a really interesting time to be like, okay, well, you know, we have we do have great natural resources, but we also have great talent and potential and ideas. And so it's about, you know, foster you know, making opening up that space a little bit and playing around in it. And so being small and nimble, I mean, it does bring its advantages because the Yukon just naturally attracts people that are creative and adventurous and risk takers. Right on. Um, 
So that lends itself well to entrepreneurship, which I think can help mitigate some of those small challenges. Mm -hmm. And I think by breaking everyone together and working together, and we have a government that's really supportive of this um, and diversifying, you know, our internet cables and everything else, um, by bringing all of that together, I think we're cooking something pretty good. Right on. And, and when you say government, because this is this is always an interesting uh, piece, particularly at the beginning, because government traditionally is not an innovative organization. It's uh, it's about policy and so on. So how are you bringing your government uh, players, uh, strategic partners, if you want to call them, into the journey that uh, that you're on? So the Yukon just by its sheer size and the fact that we are a territory um, means that we're heavily reliant on government. That's just a fact of life up here, um, both federally and territorially. Um, the territorial government is a huge employer. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, um, so I'm now doing some work with actually the telecommunications and technology branch of economic development um, in fostering this ecosystem and figuring out ways to, okay, well, how do we bring coast base, you construct, startup Whitehorse, the college, cool climate innovation, all to the table, and then really build something on that. And we've been lucky in the sense that the government really does believe in this and believe in the people that are a part of this and believes in you know small businesses and bigger businesses and diversifying the economy. Um, and so, and for us, that's just that's it's a necessity because government just does play such a big role up here. Right. Um, and that's perhaps one of the challenges that a smaller community, say in BC, maybe we would be facing different things in that regard. Yeah. Um, and so trying to navigate all of that, you know, so it's like, well, how do we have a, you know, a strong public sector that supports this, but also at the same time, how do we best support the private sector and entrepreneurship rate? Right. Um, so sometimes it's a bit of a, de- uh, a delicate dance. Well, it's, it's what's beautiful is, is that uh, everybody seems to be willing to have the conversation. There doesn't uh, seem to be a group within government anyway, because the theme I keep hearing is is that, you know, we got a great government, we got a great government, we got a great government, and that's wonderful to have because they are a necessary player, but to have the confidence that they're uh, they're seeing what you're seeing is absolutely wonderful. And so, a lot of this needs to also happen at the great, you know, the grassroots. Like this sure. is it, you know, we've had tons of people come up to bat for this, um, and it's still we're still facing growing pains and it's still sometimes, you know, we're still at that stage of convincing certain people, you know, just, or not even convincing, but just like familiarizing people with like the concept of co-working and right. a makerspace and all of those things and how, you know, everyone sort of has a role to play in this and how to best bring everyone to the table because it can't just be government and it can't just be grassroots here. It just, it really needs everyone to work together, the city, the government, um, the entrepreneurs, the chambers, like the the college, it takes everyone. Mm. And so, and so far, just like in creating co-space, the co-working space, it was a really good example of this. So kind of seeing, you know, support from organizations who provided in-kind support, you know, with free internet, beers, um, you know, government funding for some programming, um, and seeing all those players come to the table, um, which was great because CoSpace came together really quickly um, in the space of five weeks, essentially. We went from having wow. the keys 
um, and a space that completely needed to be renovated. Um, so I went from wearing high heels on Bay Street to learning how to drywall <laughs> in the space of weeks, um, which was quite the experience, uh, let yeah, me tell you. Yeah, and, I hate drywall. Um, really, this wouldn't have happened if it wouldn't have been for, you know, the incredible volunteers yeah. you construct and just people coming to like, sh- you know, just help out, build a bathroom, like knock down a wall. Um, <laughs> so to me, it was just a really cool example of what can happen when really a community rallies together. And, you know, it's not to say that the journey hasn't been without hiccups. There's been a lot of just like, oh my God, what are we doing? How does this work? And, <laughs> you know, well, trying to keep the momentum going. Well, it's, but it's unlike, not unlike an entrepreneurial journey. I mean, it's, exactly. uh, I, uh, I've been doing my journey for a long time when I was talking to a, a younger gentleman this morning, he said, I got scars all over myself, but I still love the journey. It's, uh, I would never do anything else. And talk about community, Veronique. Um, you guys uh, brought the Every Entrepreneur Tour to Whitehorse. And I got to tell you, I was one of those guys that said, what? Going to Whitehorse? <laughs> I don't think I, you were the only one. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it, it, that it shouldn't go to Whitehorse, but it was just, so I, I'm one of my favorite sayings is that you got to zag when everybody else zigs. And that's what Startup Canada has really been doing since day one is really doing zagging things. So it didn't surprise me, but it surprised me that, uh, it was just a, uh, I mean, a real pivot geographically. So how did you make that happen? And, you know, how does, how was the community when, uh, when the tour showed up, all that kind of stuff? I mean, it must've been a pretty cool, cool experience. It was such an incredible experience. I mean, we've been so lucky, like, you know, I've talked about a lot of the players that have supported volunteers and everything, but really like we've been so fortunate with the support that Startup Canada has offered us. Um, Coast, you know, Co-Space and You Construct have been um, just so they yeah, started Canada just really supported both those spaces and the fact that they were willing to show the country that Whitehorse did have it going on in mm-hmm. terms of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. was just incredible because I think that it was both an important recognition for the community. I think that sitting in that space um, on the day of the tour and I think seeing, you know, Halifax, Vancouver, Calgary, all those big names on the banner and then seeing Whitehorse, I think was a really important recognition and mm-hmm. just a really inspiring thing that people, you know, people could see that they were being recognized and that the hard work that so many entrepreneurs did before me. I mean, I moved back in September and so, so much of the credit to just what's been happening goes out to the entire community. And so bring the, it was a little bit crazy bring the conference or the tour to Whitehorse because we were, you know, eyeballs deep in renovations. And then, you know, I was <laughs> on the side really trying hard to make this um, this conference happen. And it really, it just blew me away. Um, just like, every, you know, I reached out to as many different speakers as I could, um, you know, from a v- different walks of life, a different parts of their entrepreneurial journey, representing different industries. And everyone was so keen on participating and sharing their stories, which was really incredible. And I mean... I go, we were able to get the our liberal MP, our Yukon Party premier, and the Whitehorse Bayer in the same place at the same time, talking about the same thing and supporting the same vision. And to me, that was just so incredible um, to see that support and that entrepreneurship mm. crosses, you know, partisan boundaries, and that it you know transcends different industries. And to me, that was just such a cool thing. And I was you know telling people at the conference. 
you know, when you put together a really, you know, a party and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to have the perfect playlist and <laughs> all the good snacks and everything's going to be great. But like, oh my gosh, what if no one shows up? Yeah. And so that was part of like my, you know, kind of going in being like, oh my goodness. Um, there was a bunch of other conferences happening that day. It was a Saturday. 125 people showed up. Wow, that's fantastic. It was incredible. And people not just from Whitehorse, but people from Haynes Junction, which is about an hour and a half from Whitehorse, people from Atlin, which is in northern British Columbia. Um, it was incredible. And just to see that spirit and just like, A, the speakers were, were all fantastic. And yeah. uh, Dan Gunn from Viatech in Victoria came up and did the keynote. And nice. I'm still quoting it. Other people are still quoting it. Um, it was just such a cool experience to see just such a variety of people attending and just like being motivated. And yeah. that was really when I was like, oh my gosh, like this is really, this is possible. This you know? is happening. It's, it's not happening. possible. It's yeah. happening. And like, you know, it's yeah. happening, but you know, taking this further and really building this and launching a chapter up here, um, it's possible. Yeah. Wonderful. So, yeah. It was a really cool experience. And I think it was a really good motivation um, for me, but also I think for just people who attended. Yeah. And now, you know, and, but clearly juggling that momentum with we launched CoSpace at the same time mm -hmm. and all of these things happened at once. So, you know, now it's sort of like juggling all of that and being like, okay, well, how do we sort of keep that momentum going and get everyone engaged? Um, and, but just having all of those things happening at once too, you know, it's a little bit overwhelming sometimes, but it's also just so inspiring and just so cool that like some of these things are things that I thought would be happening, you know, maybe five years from now mm. and they're happening right now. Yeah, and it's just so cool to be a part of it, which, you know, I never kind of, you know, when I came back, I didn't know if I was going to stay and sort of what I was doing. And all of a sudden I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing without knowing that this is really what I wanted to do, if that makes sense. It does um, totally make sense. And what's interesting, I'm sure from your journalism uh, background, uh, you never once expected that the, uh, your talent would be used in uh, in leading an entrepreneurial endeavor or, uh, or journey in, in your hometown. So, I mean, that talent itself is very important because it's all about messaging in that beginning stage So and, and branding. So, yeah, and uh, getting yeah. stuff done. And, like, you know, if you would have told me six months ago that I'd be – you know, the, you know, being such an active player in this space and also like I'm running my own consulting firm and I'm working mm -hmm. with the government and I'm doing all these things. And if you would have <laughs> told me this just six months ago that this would be happening, I never would have believed you. Yeah. And I just can't imagine feeling, you know, this is going to sound so corny, but like I honestly can't imagine feeling more fulfilled right now. So yeah. I've just been very lucky and it's, and it's, it's so much bigger than just me. And I just want to make sure that that's clear. Like it's yeah, just like yeah. the community has been amazing and yeah. some days it's hard. Some days it's easy and it's just, and I, you know, I, that's what an entrepreneurial journey is about. It sure is. And that's the key is the, it's the journey. And by the way, it doesn't sound corny because uh, <laughs> there's a lot of that messaging that comes out and the, the guests I have on about f uh, following that passion, following the things that fulfill your heart and your head. So very cool. But look, I want to know about some cool entrepreneurs um, in uh, in Whitehorse. And, uh, you know, I, I think you know, I think of these guys in the mall. Oh, by the way, did some of that cool food show up at the event that you were talking about? Uh, unfortunately, no. We had no. so many people. That, well, we we did have a lo uh, local shop um, make some incredible um, sandwiches. So, cool. Um, cool. yeah, most we tried to um, have as much local stuff as possible. So, wonderful coffee and sandwiches and all of that. Um, yeah. 
But <laughs> next time. Next time. Look at it. That's right. <laughs> so tell us about some of these cool uh, entrepreneurs. And, you know, you can you pick pick two uh, that you think are cool. And I'm not asking you to rank anybody. It's just, the, you know, there's some cool stuff happening there. Yeah. Um, I have. Yeah. I mean, I could talk about 50. Um, but <laughs> some of my favorite. So part of what I did. Um, so the day before the Every Entrepreneur Tour stop, um, I planned um, sort of a white horse tour for the Startup Canada team um, to just kind of give them a lay of the land and sort of what was going on. And uh, that was such a fun part for me because I really got to showcase some of the really cool things that are happening in Whitehorse, in tech, in retail, the co-working space, um, the maker space, the college, all of that. We went to all those different spaces. Uh, but definitely um, one, I think that was a highlight for a lot of people. And it's certainly a highlight for me and for a lot of Yukoners um, is Yukon Brewing. Um, we have an incredible brewery up here. And I want to mention it because it's really one of those um, entrepreneurial, you know, venture is that really punches above its weight. Um, I mean, it's won international awards for beer and it started off as something kind of small and now it's evolved into this really cool thing. I mean, everyone here just drinks Yukon Brewery and they have incredible beer, but really what makes it so cool is that they've really been innovative in their processes in terms of like just making the beer yes. <laughs> and, you know, finding solutions to some northern problems so like okay well how do you recapture heat or how do you kind of you know make sure that you're not wasting water we're so far up north all of these things and they've really come up with some really unique um, processes to really it's really like an example of kind of the you know pull up your sleeves like Yukon resourcefulness like okay right. I've got this problem how do I fix it? And right. they've really been able to do that and then create absolutely fantastic beer in the process and really just give back to the community. They've been huge supporters of what we're trying to build here. Um, so that's definitely been a really cool one. Um, and then the other one um, is just to me such a cool story. She spoke at um, the Startup Canada event, but her name is Heather Dixon. And she actually won. There was a youth entrepreneurial um, conference last year um, before I moved back, which was just incredible to see happen from a distance. And everything that I've heard was just glowing from this conference. And I'm hoping we can make it um, a continuous event. But this girl, Heather Dixon, um, she started making these beautiful beaded headbands from her traditional culture, um, sort of a sin on what they call it, sort of like a grandma hanky. Um, and um, she you know, gave them a bit of a fashion flair and started making these products. And all of a sudden, everyone wanted them to the point where she wasn't able to even keep her <laughs> online stores stocked because they were just fl literally flying off the, sh you know, virtual shelves. Yeah. Um, and what's happened is that then, you know, she always talks about the fact that it's really been about connecting with her community and her roots. And then, you know, she's now working with all of these wonderful women from her community to do the beating, to do the business development. Uh. And it's just kind of become this really cool um, community building company. And she's just been so successful. Like I said, she's, you know, one, she won the Upstarts conference. Um, she spoke at the Startup Canada tour stop and she was just so inspiring. Oh, and I bet you oh. she's very humble too. Yeah. And she's, mm. you know, she's just young and she's going out there and she's doing it. And to me, it's just like, that's 
you know, what we need. And there's just so many shapes that entrepreneurship can take. And it's about, and so to me, those are really two cool stories. And I'll just sneak in one last one. All right, um, go for it. Because we haven't really talked about tech. Um, but um, it's, it is worth mentioning that a few years ago, um, you know, some of the big um, IT companies kind of got together and made this one company called Make IT. And um, I took um, the tour through Make IT when I, they were here um, for the startup conference. And, um, it was really neat to hear sort of their journey and, you know, how, you know, they had a lot of government contracts and, but also now they're playing in a sphere of like, okay, well, what can, what are we really good at and how can we, you know, we don't need to just be working here. So they've opened now an office in Calgary and they're working on some really cool app design in Vancouver. And so it really shows that you you don't have to be limited by distance here mm. and that you're able to really, you know, if you go for it and these guys have really gone for it, um, you can do work, you know, from here, you could do work all across the country and even, you know, in the States or anywhere else. And I think that that's starting to grow because mm -hmm. the Yukon really tracks people for its lifestyle. And I, that's one of the things that really came up during the tour was that, you know, people cho choose to be here. Yeah. And yeah, so, that's so cool. Yeah, the, because of the lifestyle. And it's like, okay, well, how can we build an ecosystem or put in place the right infrastructure so that you can, you know, start or run or operate your business out of here and still take advantage of that really incredible lifestyle. So, you know, skiing and community and arts festivals and music festivals and film festivals. Um, and so how, you know, all of those things play such an important role in making one horse the place that it is. And so those are just a few of the entrepreneurs that are really going for it and either celebrating who they are or their culture or, you know, showing that you, ca you can't be limited by the size here or just the distance that you really, you know, entrepreneurship transcends all of that. I can't wait for this podcast to air because the tourism is just going to go skyrocketing. <laughs> well, that'll be one of the advantages of the low dollars. But yeah, come come visit. I mean, yeah. we, we love have showing people. I mean, we love showing people what life is like here because often people just have no idea. When I lived in Toronto, every sure. time I'd say I was from the Yukon, people would be like, oh, like you're from Yellowknife? Yeah. <laughs> no, the other one. <laughs> I remember talking to somebody from Toronto, and yes, it's a little pick on the Toronto folks. And the guy said, yes, he said, where are you from? I said, New Brunswick. Oh, he says, is that the one that's connected by a bridge to the rest of the country? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> but most Toronto people are very smart people. So and I love job. them all dearly. Yeah, they're all <laughs> wonderful people. So look, uh, I wanted to um, just kind of uh, give you the last word to what's your vision uh you're gonna you're gonna wave your wand your veronique wand and you're gonna say this is how i 10 years from now this is what i want the north to be known for and so you're representing the entire arena of the north not just the not just the yukon although you're partially there um well, the funny thing about this question is that I don't really need a magic wand because yeah. it's kind of happening right now. Back to the um, tourism answer, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, um, cool. I like so that I answer. Had this, so I've had this sort of three-pronged vision for the Yukon, and I think it just goes for the North and just entrepreneurship more generally. And it's really about building community, resources, and a culture. And so to me, community is you know, connecting entrepreneurs. It's having spaces like co-working spaces and a maker space to bring people together. It's about having a rallying point like Startup Whitehorse or Startup Canada. And also, you know, 
connecting the people so that they can take that leap of faith and decide to pursue their entrepreneurial ventures. Um, it's about um, igniting sort of that spirit so that people, you know, want to maybe pursue this as a job, but also just pursuing um, different aspects of entrepreneurship, whether that's web development, whether, you know, in terms of schooling, so building talent and connecting talent. So to me, those are all aspects of the community and building that. And then on the resources front, clearly um, access to capital, we didn't really, you know, get a chance to talk about that too much. But, right. you know, in the Yukon, because of the size, that is, that can be an issue. So it's like, okay, well, looking at, well, how do we solve that? So, you know, do we need to start looking at a venture fund? Um, how do, you know those kinds of questions? So, and also having workshops and entrepreneur to entrepreneur speaker series, just those kinds of resources to really, when people do have that community support, when they are connected, and when they do want to pursue, you know, their passions. Do, you know, putting in place the right resources so that they can do that. And then lastly, it's building sort of that, that culture, which is woven in all of that. And it's just, it's about taking risks and being innovative and being resourceful. And those are all things that Yukoners are really good at by nature. And it's like, okay, well, how do we translate that um, directly into entrepreneurship? Mm -hmm. And how do we make the Yukon and just the North the place to start or operate a business out of? Wow. And so that's sort of my vision. And so in 10 mm. years, it's, you know, being an active player in the, you know, we have a strong entrepreneurial sector and a strong private sector and we're innovative and we're at the forefront of not just coming up with Northern solutions for Northern problems, which I think we are doing now mm -hmm. and we're very good at, but just even like global problems and national problems and just also becoming a more active player in the national scene and that people you know, yes, the Yukon is a beautiful place to visit, um, but it's also an incredible place to live. So how do we, you know, make this really the place? You know, if you do want to move here, you have everything in place to start or run your business. Very cool. Well, you you, you may not want to use your wine, but you got a lot of magic happening there, Veronique, and it's very, very cool. And I could talk for hours with you about what's going on up there. It's so cool. And you should be very proud in your community. You should be very proud of what it's doing also. So uh, look, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Veronique Eri. She's the co-founder of CoSpace. And we've been talking about the vibrant startup community in Whitehorse and vibrant is the word for sure. Anyway, Veronique, Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well, then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events. And my name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host. As always, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at Rivers Corbett. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Okay, so let's talk about user research. And first of all, what the heck is user research that you're yeah, I want you to I want you to describe it as if you're talking to your grandmother right now.
It's the process of going out and, and learning about what problems your users have and figuring out um, what they want and what their lives are like and how you can sort of make an impact on it. So it's really about doing research on who your customer is or who your user would be, mm-hmm. um, figuring out who they are as people, what motivates them, what challenges they face, sort of really building like a persona around um, who your typical customer would be, um, and then sort of continuously learning about them over time, especially as you develop your product. Um, and so you can learn about them as an individual or, or sort of before you have anything. So what problems do they have? How might you start to address them? And then as you develop a product over time, you can sort of also learn more about how they use your product, um, what they like about it, what they don't like about it, all that kind of stuff. So it's really a, a general term for learning about who your typical user is. So how does that differ from beta testing? So beta testing is um, sort of a specific kind of product testing um, that typically happens uh, after a, a launch, but before a public launch. Mm-hmm. So typically um, in, a, in a technology firm, when you're developing a product, it starts off in an ideation phase and it goes through design then it goes through engineering and then quality assurance. And after quality assurance, they sort of have a sort of a beta group or a beta test where um, they let uh, a number of customers or users use it that don't have the desi- the need or the expectation of like completely bug-free experiences. Um, and so that's usually a time where the company and the product team can get some feedback from people that will actually use the product before they go and promote it to the world and say, look at this amazing product we have. And so typically when people think about user testing, um, mo- usually they're only focused on um, the, uh, you know, we, we've just finished this thing. Now let's make sure it's not buggy and then let's launch it to the world when really you want to have the feedback and coming in and the sort of interaction with the customer throughout the entire process from the very beginning of I have this idea all the way through to the public launch. 